Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Bible in Order, where we are chronologically going through the entire Bible in one year. Today's reading for July 21st is Hosea chapters 8 through 14. Hosea again. His name means salvation. And he was sent by Yahweh, Yahweh, the God of the Hebrews, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to the people roughly 750 years before Jesus appeared on the scene. And he prophesied accurately things that were going to take place to the nation of Israel 800 years in his future. And as we've said before, prophecy so often has this component of, yes, already, along with not quite yet. And so many of these prophecies are layered and aspects of them took place during Hosea's time. Aspects of them took place during the time of Jesus 800 years later and aspects of them are happening right now to the Christian church. We know in Romans 1, Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of salvation first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. And that's just one little glimpse of where God is showing us the things that the Jewish people went through. And yes, they are still the people of God, but the things that they went through over and over and over again throughout the history chronicled in the Old Testament is happening in real time to the Christian church today, made up largely of Gentiles. And just like with Israel, there was a faithful remnant who, although they weren't perfect, their hearts were aligned with God and they, to the best of their ability, followed God and they made mistakes and they repented when they did. And the same things are happening today with the Christian church. There is a remnant. God's people are being called out of the Baal system. Again, the word Baal means Lord or master. And it's the same word that many of us have been trained and raised to use that word to refer to God, Yahweh. And we don't even know how to pronounce his name. There's not a person alive today who knows for sure how to pronounce the proper name of the God of Israel when he introduced himself to Moses through the burning bush and said, I am who I am or I am who I will be. We don't know. It's been largely lost or hidden or suppressed. But there's a day coming again that will bring us to a greater knowledge and a greater understanding of who he is. And we see the hope of that in these chapters as we finish Hosea reading the second half of it today. In chapter 8, it begins... God is saying, speaking through the prophet Hosea, they transgress my covenant and rebel against my law. Israel cries out to me, my God, we know you. Yet in verse three, Israel has rejected what is good. An enemy will pursue him. 
How many of us as Christians would claim to know God? But do we really know him? Could you imagine being married to someone who can't even pronounce your name and who doesn't even care enough to try? Imagine being married and having somebody refer to their spouse. Imagine your spouse referring to you as husband or wife, always. And then when you go out in public, maybe you're at an awards ceremony or your children are getting an award at school and the teacher, the administrator, butchers their name. Would you want to correct them? My friends, if we are in a holy matrimony relationship with the God who created all things, who sent his son to die in our place so that we could be reunited with him spiritually and connected to him. And he loves us so much that he would literally die for us. And he did. Then should we not pay attention to the details Should we not strive to get to know him? There's a large segment of the body of Christ today who recanted a prayer, repeated a word or a series of words and think they're all good and they don't have to change. Like Hosea who married a prostitute. Like she could just say, oh great, thanks for marrying me. Thanks for taking me into your home. I'm just going to go on in my previous career and have no regard for the sanctity of our relationship. That's the way the church has treated the father. We must look at this and take it to heart. We have to change In chapter 8, verse 8, Israel is swallowed up. Now they are among the nations like discarded property. And again, it's a picture of the Israel of nation, the nation of Israel being no more. And for 1900 years, it was no more. There was no nation of Israel. And yet God preserved his people. That's an incredible miracle. In chapter 10, Israel is a lush vine. It yields fruit for itself. The more his fruit increased, the more he increased the altars. The better his land produced, the better they made the sacred pillars. Their hearts are devious. Better translation is divided. Their hearts are divided. Now they must bear their guilt. Yahweh will break down their altars and demolish their sacred pillars. Notice it says Israel produced fruit for itself. That's what the church is doing today by and large. Oh, we're growing like crazy. Let's build a bigger church. Let's house more people. But look at the fruit. What is happening in our mega churches today? Are people genuinely being converted and walking away from their life of sin? Are marriages being 
preserved? Is abuse lessening? Are people changing and becoming like God? All the statistics would show that there's not a lot of change happening in America culture. If anything, things are getting worse. Because the church is bearing fruit for itself. We're not making true disciples of Jesus. Chapter 11, when Israel was a child, I loved him, God says, out of Egypt. Remember, Egypt is slavery. Out of slavery, I called my son. Israel called to the Egyptians, even as Israel was leaving them. How many of us do that today? We've been called out of slavery to sin, out of the world system. And yet, you ever hear Christians sharing their testimony? It's like they brag about how bad they were. Why do we do that? Why is there the temptation Let's brag about how good God is, about how amazing his love is, how we are changed. And let's not focus about, let's not focus on how bad we were and the things that we used to do because it's a reverse glorification of the rock and roll lifestyle, the sex, the drugs, the rock and roll. And it appeals to people because people love it and they're jealous of that past. Have you ever heard somebody speak their testimony about how rich they were and how successful they were and been jealous? My friends, we should be jealous for God, not for the things of this world. Verse 3, 11, 3, it was I who taught Ephraim to walk. Ephraim, a tribe of Judah, comes from the Hebrew root, afer, which means a covering, a bandage. Ephraim should have been a bandage, a covering over the world. And yet it became like the world. And there's this recurring motif of how God is destroying sin. He's destroying the idols and the people who are joining themselves to the idols are getting caught up in the crossfire and being destroyed themselves. And God is warning us repeatedly over and over and over, get away from the idols, get away from the Babylonian system of confusion that enslaves you because you will be destroyed with it. Chapter 12, verse 6, you must return to your God, maintain love and justice, and always put your hope in God. And chapter 14, verse 9, the very last verse, let whoever is wise understand these things and whoever is insightful recognize them. For the ways of Yahweh are right and the righteous walk in them, but the rebellious stumble in them. May God bless you. May Yahweh protect you, give you wisdom, and keep you humble before him, and me as well. God bless you, my friends. We'll see you tomorrow.